This is Steph Driver from Broad Street Hockey with the Four Hockey Fans Network. I'm joined by Stephen Dorner from Anaheim Calling, also of the Four Hockey Fans Network. Stephen, how are you tonight? I'm good, Steph. How are you? Oh, wonderful. I can't I can't wait for the Flyers to ruin my weekend early tomorrow. You know, I I gotta be honest with you. I don't know if you're allowed to say that yet because Sean Couturier is back. And I feel like you've got to get 10 games in of Sean Couturier and just riding that wonderful high. I know. uh, Before they can ruin your weekend. I know. And they're actually performing really well and games are (laughs) fun to watch. So that's like, it just makes it even worse. Now I can't make jokes at their expense. Oh, you can always do that. Look, if there's anything I know about being a fan, it's that no, don't let good facts stop you from good jokes. <laughs> so that's that is absolutely the motto over here in Anaheim. Somehow we ended up on a positive note despite not being very good yet, and I can't believe that that's how it's going. So this yeah. is good for all of us. So I was I was just looking at Anaheim's record this season. So we're at two and four. Is that correct? Three and four, thank you very much. We beat uh, those damned Boston Bruins last night. That was last night. That's right. I saw that. So started a little bit slow, but it seems like they've started to find their groove in the last couple of games. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the thing that's interesting is they've been playing pretty well all year and it just they haven't gotten breaks. Um, and then they've kind of played against Columbus, who aren't very good, yeah. and then Boston, who's really good, and they somehow won both of those games. So they're on like a nice little two-game heater right now. There's a lot going on. Uh, I'm sure that, <laughs> that to your point, uh, by 15 or 20 games in, this is going. The wheels are going to be all the way off this wagon. But for now, <laughs> I'm riding the high. I'll take it. Awesome. So. I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to the Ducks just because Correct. we're on we're on the other coast. It just it's hard to follow West Coast games and West Coast teams. How is the team different this year than last year? So, I would say there's a couple of big differences. The most important probably being the head coach. Uh, the Dallas Aikens era is over and we are now in the early phases of the Greg Cronin tenure and the early returns are really good. The team's playing with speed. They're playing with intent. Um, You know, I mean, last year, so two summers ago, they uh, GM Pat Verbeek went out and added Frank Petrano and Ryan Strom. And Frank was fine last year as, you know, a depth scorer. He ended up tied for third, I think in goals on the team, but Ryan Strom really struggled. And so far this year, both of those players have just been huge. Ryan Strom is the team leader for points. Frank Petrano is the team leader for goals. And both of them are playing with, uh, you know, second year man, uh, Mason McTavish. And that I think is really kind of indicative of where this team is at right now in that the free agents from two summers ago are being uh, effective and productive and the young guys are making steps. This is also a much younger team than it's been in the past. Um, you know, they've got three rookies on the blue line, um, tons of rookies throughout the lineup. Obviously, I'm sure you want to talk about the Leo Carlson uh, load management thing. <laughs> um, 
But like, you know, I it just the vibes around the team are really good. And that was true even before they got the second and third wins of the season. It was something I I was taught we were talking about on the podcast, uh Forever Mighty Podcast, plug, plug, plug. Um we were talking about just how remarkable it is that despite the team being bad at one in four, the vibes were fantastic because the, the general feeling and energy coming off of this team are just so different. Um, and it's just been a breath of fresh air. It's been nice to watch everybody, you know, watch the guys get up and down the ice and, and have a little bit more intent and um, purpose in the way that they play. And, and the roles guys are falling into right now seem to make a lot more sense. So we have, we've got a pretty young team ourselves in Philadelphia. We've got Cam York, Bobby Brink, Tyson Forrester, Joel Farabee, and even, I guess, Travis Konechny is still young, Travis Sanheim. Um, tell me about the youths of the Anaheim Ducks. Tell me about your rookies. So I, I kind of want to save the two big ones for last. So, But for now, I would say the two of the big ones – uh, is Tristan Renault looks like he's going to end up going back down to junior uh, to juniors. Uh, he's a right-handed defenseman, just kind of a two-way guy. Doesn't quite look ready yet. I don't know if he'll be in the game tomorrow. That'll be an interesting one. Uh, and then uh, Jackson Lacombe went played all four years at Minnesota, and he's kind of a steady two-way guy. He's got a little bit more defensive ability to him than I kind of expected. Uh, he was much more of a, an offensive creator from the blue line in college. Uh, and, and I think the f- he's one of the guys that four years in college seems to have done him wonders. He just, his game really kind of matured uh, from just being a talented and smooth skating creator to, again, much more of a, a of a steady two-way presence. You know, he seems to be really good with his stick and, kind of closing out gaps and stuff like that. He's able to leverage his skating. And then the two huge ones, which is just so wonderful, is Leo Carlson and Pavel Minchikov. Pavel Minchikov, they took 10th overall in 2022. Leo Carlson was the controversial, in a sense, especially in these parts of the world, uh, second overall pick in this year's draft. And, man, I, I... I can't remember the last time Anaheim had rookies who came in and not only played well, but had a legitimate impact. Like mm-hmm. even two years ago with Jamie Drysdale and Trevor Zegras, like they were very clearly talented enough. They were very clearly skilled enough and, and smart enough to play at the NHL level. You saw them taking traditional rookie bumps. You know what I mean? Like they would stumble for a couple of games or make little mistakes and because the speed or the strength or whatever around them was a little much. That hasn't been the case so far for Pavel Minchikov and Leo Carlson. They, they just, I don't know if it's because they are so much more physically developed than either of those. Trevor and Jamie are really small, uh, slight guys, uh, you know, real skinny kids. And Carlson and Minchikov just look like men out there already. And, you know, for me, Minchikov's really the first guy that Anaheim has had who you can look at and go, oh, that might be a real deal number one defender. And and Anaheim hasn't had a number one defender since, I, I mean, I'm not even being funny. I It might be Scott Niedermeyer, maybe Chris Pronger, uh, you know, depending on kind of how you want to talk about it. Yeah. But other than that, they haven't really had those guys. 
you know, and obviously there's Shea Theodore in Vegas, who has kind of emerged as a high end number two, low end number one type defenseman. But he's obviously not in Anaheim and he didn't quite show, he never quite hit the consistent levels of, of, of impact that he, he showed very early on in Vegas. And it's, it's just remarkable. I think, you know, we are coming off of having Ryan Getzloff be the center of this franchise for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so to see Leo Carlson come in and step into this role and just so clearly be a number one center right off the bat is, is remarkable, but not, not as surprising or exciting really as crazy as that is as seeing Pavel Minchikov. Cause again, like Anaheim just hasn't drafted a number one defenseman, you know, I, again, like you could say Shea Theodore, but he wasn't that when he was here. And then the closest was Hampus Lindholm, who I love to death, but yeah, you know, he, who he was in Boston, he was never allowed to be in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, you know, it's easy to, and I don't, I'm not trying to disparage the guy. I love him to death, but like, it's a little bit easier to do what he did last year when you have Charlie McAvoy on the other pair. Yeah. It just takes a lot of pressure off. So for now, I mean, it's just two guys who seem to be really smart, really skilled, really physically talented. And, and their judgment is, 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 is pretty remarkable so far. You know, they don't make a lot of mistakes. They don't take a lot of risks. It's, it's very calculated and thoughtful and, you know, it, it could be a testament to Greg Cronin. I'm still, I'm still a little nervous about how much to chalk up to Greg Cronin because he hasn't really had any problems to solve yet, right? He hasn't had any – he hasn't had to do the thing you want your coaches to do, which is fix things on the fly. Yeah. So to this point, it really just looks like these two kids are like legitimate, you know, Calder also rans. And maybe they're more than that, but I'm I'm trying so hard not to get ahead of myself. Yeah. But I could definitely see Anaheim finishing with two guys in the top 10 of Calder votes at the end of the year. Which is that huge. would be super cool. And I'm really excited to get a look at them tomorrow. Um, talk to me about uh John Gibson. So we you know, we have a history of killing goalies in Philadelphia. But you guys have kept John Gibson in such good health and spirits in Anaheim over the years. How's he doing? You know, it's it's really interesting to hear you say that because early on in his career, there were a lot of concerns about injury. Uh, you know, he had a couple of issues with his hips and his lower body, and he was a super athletic goaltender. So that's always really concerning when you know, these guys are coming in and they're playing all on athleticism. His game has evolved a little bit and he's gotten a little bit better, but I just, there's a lot of questions about what he is at this point after three years of pretty much being the only player worth their salary on the ducks. Yep. Um, you know, and, and I don't, I don't know where he's at. He looks good so far early in this year. I think having a new coach, having better defensemen, you know, they added Ilya Labushkin and uh, I don't know if you guys in Philly have ever heard of this gentleman. His name's Radko Gudis. Uh, oh yeah. He sounds a crazy... little bit familiar. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm sure you've run into him a couple times or he's run into he's you. He's run into times. us. Yeah. I think yeah. that's like a wrecking ball. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I just think having actual defensemen, um, you know, has done wonders and then having, you know, Lucas Dostal, who who can push him a little bit, um, has been great for him. So, so far, he looks good. There's been some, 
consternation in the fan base about soft goals here and there. But, I, you know, I think there is a chance that by the end of this year, he's not a number one goalie anymore. Okay. But there's also a chance by the end of this year, he's not on the Ducks. Yeah. You know, he could go somewhere like Buffalo. He could go somewhere like LA. Like, I think there are places that he could end up that would be really good for him. Um, but I, I love Gibby, man. I, I, you know, he's a Pittsburgh native, so you guys hate him and I respect yep. that. Um, it's a blood feud at this point. No, I, I love it. I, you know, you know, there was a, a stretch there when both of those teams were great and I was watching you guys fight each other all the time. And Aaron Ashram was on both sides. And I think Talbot was on both sides. Like it was yep. insane and it was beautiful and I loved it. Um, you know, but for him, I just think it's about being able to settle in and not being asked to put out 30 fires a game every night. Yeah. And I am very optimistic that we will see him settle into a middle 10 starting goaltender quality uh, kind of caliber, I guess, you know, that, that like middle 10, you know, not quite a top 10 guy like he was at his very best where I thought he was up there with Hellebuck for best American goaltender in the league. Um, and I, I don't think he's as bad as a lot of people outside of Anaheim seem to think. And, and I know that that's a very this is my team kind of thing, but like he, he got hung out to dry like 60 minutes a night, every night. And I just don't know what your goalie is supposed to be able to do. So yeah, we know, we know what it's like having a bad goalie here and he's never been a bad goalie. He just, she had some injury stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm again, like I, 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 I hate to repeat myself, but I'm, I'm optimistic that he will settle into a solid, b-tier goaltender as the season progresses and that's all he kind of needs to be i don't you know this team isn't competitive right now in a way that's meaningful Mm -hmm. um i still fully expect them to settle into the bottom two or three of the pacific by you know the middle of december um and kind of just stay there it seems like san jose is going to run away with being the worst team in the league bless their hearts uh you know, someone's got to do it. Couldn't happen to a better team. You know, uh, they're just so sweet about it, and they're so likable. <laughs> uh, Logan Couture is my favorite player. A lot of people don't know this. He's just such a sweet and likable guy. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> oh God, I hate that man so much. Yeah, he's, um, he's the worst. Uh, but, yeah, so, like, I, you know, I, I think as far as Gibson's concerned, I think having someone who can really push him in Dostal is going to be good for him. And having a team that is relatively competent around him structurally is going to be huge. So let's look at the Flyers a little bit. So obviously overperforming what we expected them to look like this season. Um, We've had a few injuries, but really the biggest surprises for us are the youth are actually holding up their end of the deal, specifically Bobby Brink. Like he is just come out and exploded onto the scene last night. He had two his first NHL goal followed by his second NHL goal. Um, the flyers are beating teams that they shouldn't be. And they have a winning record right now. When you look at the flyers, do you see a good team? So this is the, the kind of cognitive dissonance for me right now. 
you know, coming into this year. So let me say it this way. Going into last season, I was very high on the Flyers before I realized Couturier was going to be out. I know people don't like John Tortorella and the way that he handled things last season. I could have, if there were people outside of his office with machetes and torches every night, I wouldn't blame anybody. But he puts a structure in place. So I was optimistic that with Couturier um, as kind of the, the hub of everything, and then hopefully Carter Hart bounces back, which is kind of Tortorella's thing. Like you, you see it, and then everything fell to pieces. This year, it seems like it's like you said, a team that's overperforming. But there's reasons to be optimistic that even though they'll likely fall back to earth in terms of results, there's a lot of young guys on this team, like you said, who seem like they should be really exciting. Like, I, like I'm just going to come out and say it. Like, I apologize, but I was looking at Joel Farabee earlier. Like, oh, should the Ducks go out and get him? He's got a good contract. He puts goals. Like, you know, and there's a lot. Yeah, I know. Well, look, we've been uh, openly pining after Cam York because he's a local guy for us. Oh, yeah. We love You know, and, and that's just not going to happen. But, you know, I I see a team with a handful of good players. And then the question is, is, is the coach going to get more out of the guys who aren't so good? And based on how last year went, I would say I am hesitant to say that's the case. But I also think, you know, and, and this is a very outside perspective. But to me, Sean Couturier was the guy after Giroux in terms of we build this thing around him and he wants that. Yeah. And, and I just, I love Sean Couturier as a player. I think, you know, he plays that really like cliche 200 foot game and he's just mean and he's just awesome. Like, I just think he's so wonderful. And I don't think it can be understated from my point of view, how much him just being a healthy presence in this lineup can do for morale even if the results start to fall off, which I imagine they're going to at some point. He's he's come into this season looking like he didn't miss time at all, and he missed all of last year. So I'm pretty optimistic, and it's great to hear other people around the league recognize how good he is because the Philadelphia fan base, as soon as he went down last year, everyone was just writing him off. Like, he's never going to play again. This team is terrible. He's on the decline. People forgot. People forgot how good Sean Couturier is. People forgot that he's only a couple years removed from his sulky win. Like, people forgot mm-hmm. about Sean Couturier. So I love hearing that you know you know our, our coots. Yeah, and and, and I, I just have a question about that. Like, how much of the kind of poison pill of him getting injured was because it was coming on the hills of the Ryan Ellis thing? Because again, like you want to talk about a player who just seemed like they were going to be huge for it. And then everything's happened. You know, Um, I'm so glad that that's not what that's happening. And I just wonder how much of that messed with the fan base in terms of like, Oh, we're just going to be pessimistic now. A lot, a lot. And, and we lost, faith completely in the front office the front office is brand new this year they really cleaned house at the end of last season because we couldn't trust fan base couldn't trust anything that anyone was saying they refused to acknowledge that the team was in in rebuild um they it it was just it was awful um especially with ryan ellis they were just not giving us any information um 
Yeah, so when we found out that Sean Couturier was getting injured and then treated by the same group of people that were treating Ryan Ellis and were not, like, he ruined him is what the thought was at the time. Like, yeah, it was just, like, people were writing him off. But people have written off Couturier for most of his career because he's a defensive forward and doesn't score the way that they think he should. But he's a damn good hockey player. Yeah, I... I... I don't understand, honestly, and, I, and I'm not saying this because I'm on a Flyers podcast and I'm really trying to be nice. Like, I don't understand how you can watch him and not come away thinking, this maybe isn't a traditional number one center, but this is a guy I can play every night against the best players on the other team and feel comfortable that at worst it's going to go 50-50. Yeah. I, I just think he's just he just works his ass off and he's smart and he's capable. Like I, he's just, I love him. Like I really, yeah. really do. He's like Ryan O'Reilly without any of the awful things about Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, that rocks. And yeah. you know, so I, I'm so glad to see, you know, he came back and I think in his first game, he had the penalty and it's just like, or the penalty shot. And it's just like, what is happening? Yeah. That and was it, my so exact cool. reaction. What is happening? And then he scored. Yep, uh, beautiful thing. And then he scored. All right, I am going to let you get back to your Friday evening, but real quick, prediction for tomorrow's game. How do you think it's going to go? I think Travis Konechny is going to try to physically fight Trevor Zegris Mm -hmm. because Travis Konechny is a raccoon in a Flyers jersey, and Mm -hmm. I think that's wonderful. Yep. Uh, You know... (laughs) I think the air has to come out of the bubble for Anaheim at some point. And we know Leo Carlson's going to play because he already missed the Columbus game. So, you know, I could see it being maybe a little closer than I would have thought coming into the se- or into the week. But like, I, you know, four, two flyers, three, two flyers feels about right to me. I, I never I, pick the flyers to win, but I'm picking them sure. five, two. Oh my goodness. They scored so many goals the other night. It was like it was it was insane to me. So I think I think it's going to be another high flying afternoon. Yeah, I I it, it's going to be a hell of a 10 o'clock game on this side of the world. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Steven, thank you so much for joining me. Tell the people where they can find you. Uh yeah, I am on Twitter at the hockey boomer, which yeah, you can pretty much get all you need to know from that. Uh <laughs> we're getting Anaheim calling back up and running right now. We're we're, you know, building out our staff, we're getting stuff done. Uh we have a lot of people, we have a couple of guys I've just brought in and we're really excited about. Uh, you know, my guy Chad just wrote an awesome piece about the history of the recently developed rivalry between Arizona and the Ducks. It's great. Uh, I'm also on a podcast called the Forever Mighty Podcast, which fingers crossed should be joining the four hockey fans network relatively soon. We're very excited about that. Uh, yeah, and then you know, Blue Sky at Anaheim Calling and Blue Sky at the Hockey Boomer. So, um, find me. I have a soft spot for Philly. I don't know how it happened, but here we are. <laughs> it's because we are also tortured. People feel bad for us. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's right. And then I think, you know, there is a, a collective of teams who, if you have had Chris Pronger on your roster, you're yeah. kind of bonded yeah. forever, Yeah, which is a very weird group in hindsight. But um, I, I think once you've lived the Chris Pronger life, it's impossible to, to, to turn your back on anybody else who has. 
<laughs> I agree. Steven, thank you so much. It was a delight talking to you. Oh, thank you so much, Steph. I really appreciate it.